Guys, let's get back to um, the, the ministry of the, the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, guys, you remember the, the whole series entitled, is entitled Same Thoughts About God the Holy Spirit. That's what we're trying to do is come up with some sanity in, in a world um, um, that's gone mad in so many ways. Um, and what we did at first, you might recall, is that we worked through the Old Testament. Now we're ready to move to the New and as you can imagine, there's just so much to cover in the new, and I'm not sure we can get to all of it, but we'll get to a, a goodly portion. But here's something that we have already covered that's kind of transitional between the old and the new. You will recall, I hope, that I, I mentioned this earlier, that the Holy Spirit is the one who formed a human body for Jesus in the womb of Mary. Um, you remember Mary says, well, how's this going to happen? And she, and, and the angel says, the Holy spirit will overcome you. It will overshadow you. That's in Luke chapter one, verse 35. So we've seen the Holy spirit from the very inception or, or conception of Jesus. Um, it is to the Holy spirit who is given credit for raising him from the dead. Um, that's in, uh, Romans chapter eight, verse 11. And we looked at this text last week in Hebrews 9.14 that it's the Holy Spirit who enabled him to accomplish his work on the cross. These are just statements right from the Scriptures, folks. So um, all I'm saying is from the very opening of the New Testament, the Holy Spirit is... Well, I, I, I guess I should say it like this. One of, one of the foundational ideas associated with Messiah in the New Testament is that he is and must be anointed by God the Holy Spirit. It is God the Holy Spirit that is empowering, enabling, and aiding him in the accomplishment of his work. With that said, let's go take a look at the largest teaching passage uh, on the Holy Spirit, really anywhere in the Bible. It's found in John 14, 15, and 16. Guys, John 14, 15, and 16 are called the upper room discourse. They really start, actually starts in 13. That's when Jesus washes the feet of the disciples, you remember? Um, but it is there in that upper room experience that he begins to introduce them to what is about to happen. And, and it's interesting, at least in my mind, that he waits until the last night of his life to do so. Um... I think the reason behind that is, guys, that redemption is a series, is a series, a successive series of events. He couldn't tell him about the Holy Spirit while he's here um, and what he was going to do, but as he's about to leave now, he needs to inform them about what is to happen. So let's, <coughs> pardon me, <coughs> let's start in chapter fourteen. And just see what is said to us um, in, in beginning of verse 15 uh, about the Holy Spirit. Uh, he opens, if you love me, you keep my commandments. Here we go, verse 16. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Okay, guys, uh, one of the words that's really important in that is the word another. Do you see that Jesus from the opening gun identifies him as an equal to himself? Um, I'm a helper, and he's a helper. He's another helper. In fact, he is the helper that's going to replace me. 
He is going to be the one who will be my presence when I'm gone. The presence of Christ among inside the church once Jesus has left her is the Holy Spirit. Now, gang, this word helper, uh, I think you all know this word, paraclete or parakletos. Kletos. We get the English word paraclete from it. And it's interesting that the King James translates this word comforter. Um, there are, it can be translated a lot of ways. Counselor, advocate, or helper. Um, I heard Tim Keller say this one time, and, and I, I, I tend to agree with him. I think the best word to translate that word is advocate. Um, this word here means called alongside of. Uh, kaleo, and this is just a, a, a prefix, which is a preposition, uh, he is the one called alongside of, and the English word that I think best represents that is an advocate, because an advocate is one who is called to. Well, the Holy Spirit is called alongside us. But the, the initial thought is that, you know, they, they're talking about, oh, no, Jesus is going to leave us, and, um, and this is going to be so, so terribly sad when he leaves us. And he says, wait a minute. Um, I'm going to ask my father, and he's going to send to you another. Another one just like me, but unlike me. Um, and he'll be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth. Isn't that interesting? That he's called the spirit of truth. And later on in the series, we'll, we'll discover more and more about why he's called the spirit of truth. Now, here's another just interesting thing in this opening salvo of information about the Holy Spirit. It says, the world whom the world Look at that next word, ladies and gentlemen. It does not say, will not receive him. It says, cannot. The world cannot receive him. Why? Well, well, the, the text goes on. Because it neither sees him nor knows him. Or, well, why, doesn't they, why don't they see him or know him? Because they're spiritually dead. Um, you know him. For he dwells with you and will be in you. All of this is designed as, as Jesus Christ lends his voice to try and encourage his people. Uh, he's about to leave, um, but I'm not going to leave you. Remember, remember that language about I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm not going to leave you as beggars. Uh, no, or as orphans. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. Well, okay, here's the provision. The provision that you will, and he will, and, and you know him. Uh, he will be with you forever. He's the spirit of truth. See, all of that crammed into two tiny little verses about what the Holy Spirit is going to be up to. Now, uh, drop down to verse 25. Um, These things I have spoken to you while I'm still with you. But the helper, the paraclete, that's the same word, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. So guys, um, we saw earlier that the Holy Spirit will glorify Jesus. Well, what things is, what things is he going to do? What things will he be doing to glorify the Son? Well, He's going to teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Let me give you a little suggestion. 
uh, many of you, maybe all of you, I hope, but many of you spend time with God on your own, just in personal devotional lives. Here's the way you need to start it. Oh, Holy Ghost of God, would you teach me what, is, what I'm about to read? Because that's his job. That's what he does. Not only does he teach you, but he brings to your remembrance all that I have taught to you. And so maybe they didn't understand it back there, but so the Holy Spirit comes to clarify it. That's what he does. He's the spirit of truth, explaining truth, reminding you of truth. Um, <clears throat> also, I want to... Well, um, there's this one statement that I want you to see. It's verse 28. Um, Jesus is still speaking. He says, you heard me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I am going to the Father for the Father is greater than I. Okay, I don't think it's too far-fetched to say when he says, you heard me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. Who's he talking about there, himself or the Holy Spirit? But you see this close identity that he has with the Holy Spirit's arrival. I'm going to go, but I'm going to come. I'm going to go and I'm going to come in the person and the work of God the Holy Spirit. That's, again, I think a, um, just a little tidbit about his person. Now, um, oh, chapter 16. Oh, yeah, we got the long one in chapter 16. It begins in verse 6. Actually, it begins in verse 6. Um, but because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Oh, they're moaning. Oh, I'm going to leave you. I'm going to leave you. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, there he is again, the paraclete, same word, will not come to you. Gang, <clears throat> There, there's something about redemptive history that you have to understand. Certain things, they, they, they come in order, in a sequence. The Holy Spirit could not be poured out until the, the Son had accomplished all that He came to do. That's what He's saying here. If I don't go, I can't send Him. Not I won't send Him, but I can't. So I've got to finish accomplishing my work and then I will send him. Uh, but if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, here's another thing he's going to do. He's going to convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment concerning sin, etc., etc. <clears throat> All right, I, I don't, I don't want to do this just yet. But before we quit, I just want to summarize everything that, that that we've discovered just up to now. But. <clears throat> Let me show you one other thing. Or, yeah, um, the coming of the Holy Spirit is the compensation for the great loss of losing the visible presence of Christ. That's what he's telling them. You're, you're all said that I'm going to go. But in my place is going to come someone who is to... It is to your advantage to have him instead of me. You ever, have you ever heard anybody say that? Oh, I wish I could have been here when Jesus was walking in the face of the earth. Oh, it would have been so great to see him healed the blind and turn water into wine, and et cetera. It would have been great. Folks, 
We are being told that we're the advantaged one, not advantaged ones, not them. Because of the ministry and work of the Holy Spirit inside us and around us. Now, here, here's the other thing I want you to see, and it, it, it takes a little bit, so stay with me. Go to John 7. Don't be lazy. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a good thing. Um, <clears throat> all right. <clears throat> John 7, 37. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet, the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Do you see it there too, folks? That succession of events. Um, he's talking to them about a, a role that the Holy Spirit's going to play, but he's not playing it just yet because I am not yet glorified. I didn't finish what I came to do. But notice what, what, what he says, come to me and drink. That invitation, folks, is, is something like what? What is he asking them to do? Is he, he, he's, coming, he's asking them to come and embrace him. To come and lay hold of him by faith. And when you do, there is something that goes on in terms of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that becomes a source of life for the rest of your days. The, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Now, keep that thought in mind and turn over one passage back to John 6 and this is this is so wonderful um, John 6 is a huge chapter but this is John 663 it is the spirit who gives life the flesh is of no help at all it is the spirit that gives life okay folks first of all if the Spirit gives life, what does that mean about me before I got that? Yeah, I didn't have any life. I'm dead. So it's the Holy Spirit, spiritually dead. So it's the Holy Spirit that grants me life. And that Holy Spirit takes up residence such that my heart becomes this uh, fountain of living waters for the rest of my existence. But that is his role. We'll talk about that further when we talk about regeneration. But the Spirit gives life. The flesh. The flesh. The flesh. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, I, 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 uh, I recoil at times in some of the things that are said when people take credit for they're becoming Christians. Let me tell you what your flesh offered to that whole transaction. Nothing! Nothing at all! How do you know that, Jim? Well, Jesus said that. I was this spiritually dead entity, and what happened to me? The Holy Spirit granted me life. That whole thing of Ezekiel 36 about exchanging the heart of stone for the heart of flesh. 
He grants me life. And from there, I go and drink. And from there, I have a fountain of living water that stays with me all of my days. Now, folks, let me do this as we close. What I want to do is summarize, or not, not in great length, but I just want to summarize um, what we've been told thus far is the role of the Holy Spirit, okay? This is what we've seen just in the little that we've done in the New Testament thus far. We've seen <clears throat> that um, after Christ's departure, that he would take Jesus' place and become uh, uh, Jesus in, uh, he would become the presence of Jesus in us. Okay, that's the first thing we saw. Um, we saw that he was going to remind us of things that we've been taught, and he was going to teach us the truth. Um, so he's going he's to be our instructor. Uh, we're going to be reading his word, and, and uh, we're going to get stumped, and, and maybe we'll have to read it for 45 years. But the Holy Spirit, if I ever learn it, I'm, he's the one that's going to teach it to me. He's the spirit of truth, and he's going to teach it to me. Um, then uh, uh, all of those difficult doctrines, he'll teach them to me. Um, he is going to guide me. I didn't even read that one. That is John, thir uh, John 16, 13. He's going to guide me into the truth. This is John 16, 13. Forgot to read that one. Um, John 16, 13. Uh, where are you? There, there you are. Okay. Uh, when, the, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that, that are to come. So I'm, I'm hearing all of these truth claims in my existence, and who is it that's going to guide me to the truth? God, the Holy Spirit. He's going he's gonna to take up Jesus' place. He's going to um, <coughs> uh, uh, be with me forever. He's going to lead me in the truth. He's going he's to teach me the truth. And he's going to um, <coughs> um, he's gonna remind me of things that I've already been taught. And he's called the helper. I mean, tell me, what could be more mundane then Jesus being, I mean, then the Holy Spirit being called a helper. Um, um, those things that I don't comprehend, it's the Holy Spirit that will explain them to me. Um, he's going to steer me into paths of righteousness. Um, and he's going to support God's people as they carry out the commission that they've been given to proclaim the gospel to the ends of the earth. I'm going to go with you. I'm going to go with you because I'm going to come back to you in the person of work of the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to take you to the ends of the earth proclaiming the invitation I just read in John 7. Then the last thing that we saw, or one other thing that we saw, is that he's going to convict. He's going to convict the world of sin and righteousness. Now, that needs a whole lot of explaining, but just, just 
to make it as quick as I can make it, <laughs> gang. Um, your conscience ought to operate when you sin, and when it doesn't, that's a bigger problem than when you sinned. Because the one who has been sent to convict you and you have just, I mean, ladies and gentlemen, I can't, well, I don't want to overstate it, but I've had half a dozen men sit in my office and tell me about the affairs that they were conducting and they were absolutely having a good old time. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. You can violate, and, and by the way, this is, this is what I get. I said, you can violate the known law of God and not be convicted about that. And I remember the last one said, well, everybody sins. Yeah, yeah. So that was his justification for violating a known statement of the Decalogue no conviction whatsoever. And that should be alarming to him. Not so much the affair. The affair is bad enough. But you're not convicted of the wrongdoing in that, contained in that? Oh, my friend. Then you must somehow be divorced from and separated from the activity of God the Holy Spirit, which means you are damned! If he's not performing this work, that must mean he doesn't live inside you. Which means you're still in your trespasses and sins. Folks, I, I, I by no means want to encourage you to choose to sin. But if you do, and there becomes a conviction in your so doing. It's a token of life. That God the Holy Spirit is at operation within you. That what I just did. Was wrong. Thank you. That you have not deserted me. God the Holy Spirit. Now real quick. This is the same application that I made last week. I'm going to make it again. In that brief summary that you just heard me make, did you hear anything of the ecstatic? Did you hear anything of the paranormal? Did you hear anything of the miraculous? What you heard was that Jesus Christ is not going to leave you as an orphan and he's going to provide for every one of our needs by sending the Holy Spirit who will teach us and guide us and convict us. But what do we see of being attributed to the Holy Spirit in the 21st century? All of this nonsense. When the clear and precise 
statements of God's word about his activity doesn't contain any of that. We'd rather have that other. It's far more exciting. It titillates. But to sit before God's word and let him teach me his word? Mm, I need to check my emails. Folks, we're after sane thoughts. And you just got them. Not from me. You got them from John 14, John 15, John 16, John 7, and John 6. That's what sanity means when it comes to the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. We'll look at some more next week. Let's quit. Heavenly Father, um, would you help us to see this imperative role that is played by your Spirit so that we might find ourselves not looking for something that doesn't exist. Would you create in your people this very glad dependence upon him and an eagerness to be filled over and over and over again by him to accomplish our work like Jesus was aided in doing his own. Might this church do all that she does in the power and the might of God the Holy Spirit. Father, if you've led people here tonight who have not yet embraced this Savior, they've not yet come and brought their thirst and embraced Him, would you show them just how parched is their soul? Would you bring them to the place where they will experience this radical change wrought by God the Holy Spirit. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.